0: Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200k in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode.
1: Mason, uh, thank you so much for being willing to come on Metrics and Chill. Like I said to you off mic, I have been following you for a while. I've recognized your avatar, uh, and it's cool to see you like in person. So thanks for being willing to come on and talk ABM with us.
0: Always. And, and Jeremiah, I'm super pumped to be here and talk through some metrics, especially as we think about like scrappy ABM there are some very clear metrics on what you can actually use to help indicate early success. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into it. Awesome. Yeah, we are we are big fans of leading
1: indicators of lagging success. So uh, excited to hear about those. Before we get into like unpacking how to do scrappy ABM and, um, and if you need help where you can find Mason and stuff, can you define, like do like an explain it like I'm five, what's ABM? I feel like this yeah. is one of those things that like everyone, when they throw it out, no one actually defines it. And so probably there's like three to five Different definitions floating around in people's minds.
0: Uh, I would say like a hundred definitions floating around okay. people's minds okay. because the like it. I feel like it's just become the catch-all term, kind of like demand gen. Like demand gen was something very specific five years ago, and like my last job was head of demand gen, and I didn't run ads or do anything from a paid perspective, which is like. So what did I, I was actually like a glorified social media manager, but that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, uh, ABM, I think there's three layers of what people understand ABM. And the first is that top level layer of like, if you Google ABM, you're going to see a bunch of ABM platforms. Uh, And when we say ABM, that means account-based marketing. And what you're going to see from these account-based marketing platforms is primarily their ad solution. So then you're going to think, oh, ABM is ads. And that is not the case. It is not just we upload a list to this platform and it sends ads and that's the whole ABM strategy. That's all the, and like, that's not what ABM is. Advertising is a channel. It's a tactic. Account-based advertising is a popular tactic within account-based marketing, but it is not ABM at its core. What ABM is, is, and I stole this from my former employer. uh, It is a B2B growth strategy that aligns marketing and sales around a set of shared target accounts. So to unpack that for just a second, B2B growth strategy. It's not a marketing strategy. It's not a sales strategy. It is a growth strategy. And the phrasing there is intentional because you're not going to be successful with ABM unless you've got marketing and sales actually involved on the same page, on the same team, driving towards the same goals. So it's a growth strategy. My love-hate relationship with the term ABM is that it's called ABM. I think the better approach would actually be account-based strategy, but I didn't come up with the branding in the first place. The next piece there is then again, sales and marketing. So you've got to have everybody on the same page. Um, I would also, for those that think about it full funnel, I would also depending on the levels of internal alignment would also rope in customer success. Cause I think a great account based play is actually customer marketing focused. Uh, Shout out to my friend, Leslie Barrett that wrote the book account based customer marketing. It's incredible. And then lastly, a set of shared target accounts. So again, we recognize from the onset, who are we going after? Why are we going after them? What is the value that we're going to provide them? And then how do we make sure that they understand that value so that they want to buy from us? So that's the core of ABM. The challenge with that is if you Google that, (laughs) you're going to see a bunch of technology and you're going to think, cool, i have got to go buy all this tech to make that happen. So what I'm now evangelizing for uh, scrappy ABM is the concept of, like the definition was right? Our interpretation of the definition was incorrect. You don't need the tech. You don't have to have the tech to get started. Inevitably, yes, to to scale it up to run with an account based strategy, you do. But like, where in that definition that I outlined was anything about technology? Right. Like, one of my favorite plays is going into an existing community where you have a bunch of your target accounts hanging out and being super freaking helpful to that specific community as a way to drive your authority and build rapport with your best fit customers. And it costs like the entry fee to a community, which for a lot of these online communities is like 20 bucks a month. Or we're on a podcast right now. Podcast can be an incredible account-based play. You can live stream the podcast, create a LinkedIn event, and then host it in a distribution channel like Spotify and Apple. The streaming platform is 25 bucks. LinkedIn events are free. Spreaker, $7 a month. That's your $32 a month ABM strategy. It doesn't have to be massively expensive. You can get pretty scrappy with it.
1: Okay, so this is really helpful. So essentially the core to this is that you and sales are agreeing to a set of target accounts. It's not a technology. It's not a tactic. You can use ads. You don't have to. You can use probably cold outreach. You don't have to. You can do a bunch of stuff, but you don't have to. The thing is that you have agreed to walk hand in hand with sales and say, these are the accounts we want to close. Marketing is going to play XYZ role and sales is going to play ABC role in closing them. And the unique thing about it is that it's more like a lot of B2B companies would say, well, kind of this happens if you just have a refined ICP, right? Like we are technically selling to the people that we bring in and marketing is targeting to the right ICP. This is different because this is a smaller set of accounts i'm guessing like this this probably has to like be few enough people that they're like able to be called by name and targeted and there's a lot going on i would imagine between making sure that the messaging marketing is taking to market aligns with like the messaging the sales is using and you're probably thinking about different messaging based on the roles inside each organization that you're targeting so this is a very like concentrated effort to go after a set target of accounts with these two
0: yes and just to to piggyback off of that like when we think about the ideal client profile the icp that typically helps us understand what would be called like the world of accounts the world of companies that we could work with um, some people would refer to that then as the total addressable market and then within that you have uh, what it's called the total relevant market so relevant market meaning they're likely in some position to buy now or in the near term and then within the total relevant market is where a lot of people should focus for their account-based programs, which would be like, who are the people that are likely to buy in the next six to 12 months? And we have focused on a specific vertical specific industry that we're going to build an account-based program around, because we're going to not just say like general messaging around how our product helps people. We're going to get very specific on how our product and our service solves a very specific problem for a very specific subset of people so that they understand and they resonate with the message very deeply so it's getting very focused very specific very targeted and as a result they're more likely to come inbound because it's not and this is my favorite example of just messaging in general it came from justin welsh of like who do you think is going to win the company that says i help with email or the company that says i build email funnels for solopreneurs that generate seven figures in revenue who wins like email like the problem The solution is very specific, who it's for, and the results very tangible. Both actually said I do email. One just got really specific and tangible in a way that actually converts and attracts the right people.
1: Okay. Now, all right, I'm going to basically throw all my old questions out the book because now I'm going this direction. So, uh, how would you delineate what you do? So, where like you've given a really good overview of a good way to think about ABM in general is scrappy ABM, just the idea that like, let's just kind of get this going without a ton of capital, without a ton of investment. And let's just like start knocking down a few wins with what's at our disposal. And then we'll look to scale it later. Like, as opposed to what, like scrappy ABM
0: is what, as opposed to what, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about oftentimes when you're looking at abm platforms or abm solutions providers they talk about this concept of the crawl walk run approach so like we're gonna get started and we'll start small and we'll prove out some early wins and then we'll like scale that up a little bit and really get going and then like we'll hit this run phase and it'll be like exponential you know hockey stick up under the right forever and, and like reality is How on earth is it considered a crawl to buy three different pieces of technology that cost $200,000 a year and then invest in a six-month RevOps project to get that tech integrated before we even start launching the program? Right. That's what we call a crawl. And I just think that's stupid. (laughs) It doesn't make... Because at that point, between technology, time, headcount, you've legitimately invested sometimes upwards of half a million dollars to actually get the thing started. Yeah. That's asinine. So what I'm saying is, realistically, if we like break down what is ABM at its core, again, marketing sales aligned around a set of shared target accounts. You likely have everything that you need today from a tool perspective to get started. So the focus for scrappy I ABM mean, is actually people and processes. Like how do we understand the appropriate accounts to go after how do we focus on nailing the handoff between marketing and sales? And then how do we make sure that we have the right content that speaks to the right audience? That's the core. And the other thing that I've started to do that as I talk to people, like it it, it has really helped shift my own perspective. Mostly when they're thinking about starting ABM, they Google, how do I start building an ABM program? Totally makes sense. It's a very logical thing to Google. The challenge is those guides come with the understanding that you have the appropriate foundation put in place for ABM. When in reality, what most people should start to Google when they're thinking about building an ABM program is why does ABM fail? It is very well-researched, it is very well-documented and it's all due to foundational problems. So like, for example, top three reasons. Number one, sales and marketing alignment. Number two, nobody owns ABM. And number three, I just kind of summarize it as like, you have enough complexity as it is everybody already has a full-time job. So if we start to add this new technology, it just adds more complexity to the things that we're already doing. And if we're being honest, most of us don't even have what we already are doing figured out. We're doing ABM to try to solve because we don't know what we're doing right now. So again, if you then go and buy all this new stuff and try to build this massive, like super complex program, it's set up to fail. So instead, how do we solve for the foundation? And then once we've got the foundation in place, we can go... Back to that, how do you start ABM guide to actually build a true ABM program?
1: Yeah, okay. What do you think needs to be in place? I'm thinking for listeners that are like, okay, the value you've summarized some of the value of ABM, which sounds like you're able to be more relevant in your messaging. You can easily differentiate from competitors who are maybe leading with generic messaging, targeting a broad number of accounts to say like, we can speak directly to the job title maybe in some cases even the company that we're that we're reaching out to depending on the size of the company so we can be more direct and relevant in our messaging we can appear like not appear but we generally can show how we know are, are better familiar with their problems and how to solve those problems and we're intimately familiar with what they need and so it kind of sets you apart from like sounds like it would help differentiate you and give you a leg up in marketing, help you resonate better with messaging. There's all these values. I think there's a lot of values around a marketing and sales too that you've covered. Who should think about doing this? Like, I mean, obviously to some degree, it's got to come down to like the price of what you sell, right? Like your yes. average contract value or whatever. So
0: for listeners, who should think about doing this? Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things that are absolutely critical. Um, so for starters... Like, you have to have a dedicated sales team. I had a client come in bound that said, We have a complete e com approach. And I was like, I mean, you can run up, uh, up against a, a list of target accounts, but like, if there's no sales team involvement, what I, and this is so nuanced and so dumb because they're all made up words anyway, but like, really, if at that point, if you're, if you don't have a dedicated sales team, you're running what is called targeted demand gen as opposed to like account based marketing. Because in, in order for account based marketing to truly be the most effective, like there has to be people involved. So if you're like a B2B organization that's running like a pure e-com play, like account-based marketing is probably not gonna make the most sense for you. Uh, The other thing is like everything I just outlined, yes, like you're saving money on the tech, but like technology helps you scale and drive efficiencies. What I'm recommending is more manual. It's like more labor intensive on the front end because you're nailing down the process and you don't have the tech in place to like scale it and streamline it you have like you have to work through the process before you can optimize the process that's what i think most people get wrong but with that the amount of time investment to mm-hmm. work through this process needs to have a pretty significant payoff so like if you are i was talking to somebody earlier today and they were like yeah we've got an average deal of 6k and i was like this is not going to be a good fit for you and i don't mean that it's like 6k is a small amount of money like i don't necessarily want to go to just buy 6k things personally but in the b2b landscape 6K is pretty small as compared to where the average deal value from what I've understood in B2B is generally like 30 to 40 as kind of your average deal value. And there are other enterprise organizations that do like, again, a lot of these larger ABM platforms that only want to focus on enterprise. They're starting at 6K a month. So like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just, I would recommend the minimum threshold from a deal value perspective is $30,000 as an average deal value. Um, And then the other factor to consider if you do have a lower than average or lower than 30K uh, deal value, is like, what's the lifetime value of the customer? Like if you, it may not make sense in year one for a customer, but if you have customers that stick with you for a decade and like, there's a high level of retention that may make more sense. So like, it's just really nuanced. And this is a, like it's a CAC con- calculation, like what's their customer acquisition cost? And then what's the lifetime value of that customer that then makes this time and in, uh, financial investment worthwhile. Um, broad strokes, 30 would be the minimum. 50 is preferable. And uh, 50, if you've got at least a minimum ACV of 50, you're probably really solid from an ABM perspective. The gray area between 30 and 50 for me is like, what, are, what is your actual company doing? So I'll give you a prime example. For me, I'm actually at the moment and I'll niche down as I have more deals come through and have a better clarity on my ICP. I'm a bootstrapped early stage startup in all senses. So like, it doesn't make sense for me to clarify an ICP. It would be like a shot in the dark because I it doesn't make sense. But I solve a very specific problem. I'd help you get started on your ABM programs without the massive tech stack. So I'm like evangelizing the problem that I solve. Mm-hmm. But like industry, is pretty agnostic. So for me, I would think like 50k plus for a deal value because essentially I'm I'm going to invest a ton of time and effort into going after a very specific industry to to close. The nuance to that is there's a lot of tech companies that only solve very specific problems for very specific industries. One of my clients only works with logistics manufacturing companies. Like that's that's it. Yeah, their their ICP their target accounts are very clearly identified because the software that they built only serves those companies. Uh, I worked in print advertising. The software that we used was a print advertising specific CRM and sales platform. Like they knew who their ICP is because they built the platform for that ICP. So given that specific context, ABM makes a lot more sense for those companies regardless of ACV because you know your world of accounts and it's relatively small because you've so niched down to serve that specific audience, it doesn't make sense to do anything else outside of ABM.
1: Now, what have you found with, or or what are your thoughts around, say say someone's listening and they're saying, okay, I checked the boxes so far, uh, i between 30 and 50K, I have a dedicated sales team. We're not a complete startup. Like we have, we've had a number of deals close. Um, this sounds good to us. We want to do it the scrappy way, but maybe they haven't, like maybe they are industry agnostic or like you know they're they're maybe like broader. Do you think is there is there like a qualitative filter you apply or you recommend of like, hey, wait till you kind of get a better signal around like firmographically, I guess like do they need to do they need to be able to check certain boxes? Like, cause in some ways it sounds like although it's ABM is not ads, like you do need to be able to like pick out people that look like your other best people, right? And so absolutely what do some of those like what do you recommend people wait
0: until c- they can kind of define firmographically a little bit better? That's a great question. So you you kind of hit on it of like, who are the best customers? And that does not come from marketing. Sorry. Like who are the best customers actually comes from what I would call like a, a cross-functional task force. So it is marketing of like, yes, when we look at our ability to engage specific customer types, like who are the audiences that are most engaged? Awesome. From there, when we talk to sales, who are the customers that come in, they get the problem, they close quickly, they close happily, like, and it makes sense for them. Because again, we've all worked with the different customer bases. Like one is like, this is a total, like, again, I pitched the exact same product to two different customers. One said, this is outrageous. The other said, this is a no brainer. Like, how do I find more of the people that are like, this is no brainer? Right, yeah. So there's that. Then we get over to CS. Who are the customers that, have a high lifetime value, that stick around, that are easy to work with, that are fun to work with. Again, like there is a part of this for me personally, at least, especially because I'm a service-based business, I want to work with clients that are actually fun to work with. So like I would actually take a maybe lower profit client that I enjoy working with over a higher profit client. That's like a pain to work with. So like, those are the nuances to your own business, but like, what are the qualitative measures there? and then I just talked about profitability, go talk to finance and understand from a profit perspective, like what clients do we have that are the most profitable for our business? And again, that's a holistic view of the customer because now we've understood engaged audience, ease of close, ease to work with and profitability. And then the last piece is like, based on the direction that your organization wants to go. So like, I'll give you a prime example. Again, I I recognize I will inevitably probably niche down into specific industries and audiences I'm going to then look at what customers do I work with right now that I have the most logos in. And from there, pull that out so I can put those logos on my website. And as a result, then attract the right kind of people. Because when we see logos that look like us, we want to work with those customers. So yeah. that's how you then define your ICP. And once you've defined that ICP, you can then really nail down what's the account list that I want to go after based on this criteria that we've now developed.
1: Now... Moving on to you talked about people and processes in this early stage, especially like the scrappy approach, right? We're not worrying about tech, we're not worrying about tactics yet. Um, who is there a team or a person that you recommend owns this? Like, is it marketing? Yeah. Is it sales? Like, I know we work hand in hand, uh, sales and marketing, but who owns it and who's leading the charge on identifying this list?
0: Yeah, so I I think the ideal structure um is some form of a marketing director or marketing manager that is like the tactical owner, but has clear lines and direct lines to senior leadership and executive leadership that has executive sponsorship for this ABM initiative. And essentially what the reason we have it that way is your senior leadership needs to be able to communicate across across the executive team and be able to break down the specific roadblocks and challenges from a people and internal perspective, but like, Most CMOs or VPs of marketing do not have the time to truly dedicate to like the nuance of building the program itself, which is why it's given to the marketing manager to truly own as far as like the actual build of the program. But without the executive sponsorship, it's just not going to work because ABM, also at its core, is actually organizational change. Most marketing sales teams are set up in a way where marketing gets the lead and passes it to sales like a relay race and abm is actually a soccer game where we're working together collaboratively that's going to take some executive leadership and organ like to organ to change the organization to actually structure in that way so from a marketing side it's like a manager that owns it or a director that owns it but that's clear executive uh buy-in from their marketing leader and has, it's not like through a chain of command, but it's like that person goes directly to the senior leader to discuss how ABM is functioning. From there, your marketing senior leader is directly tied in in partnership with your sales senior leader. And again, they should be friends. Like I want my sales and marketing leader to be the kind of people I could envision going out for a drink after work. Because if they can't, this is probably not gonna work super well. And then from there, you need a set of salespeople ideally like one to three sellers that are bought into an experiment and they're open to experimenting if you can get that core set up and on the marketing side like the marketing manager can get the support around like for example when we go to truly build the program like do we have support around ops content um design but like somebody should own the actual strategy and essentially i view the abm manager um as like in the weeds taking the idea of ABM into a pure program and strategy, and then being the project manager that makes this whole thing come together. Uh, ABM is often referred to as like ABM orchestration. So again, your director is the conductor of an orchestra that has all these different moving parts and pieces that has executive sponsorship and buy-in to actually make it come together. Okay, So that's the core team.
1: Yeah. So basically, I mean, it sounds similar to how I've heard people talk about product marketing, which is like you are responsible for things which you don't primarily own, like the product managers own them and the product team runs them. But you have to be the one driving initiative and like the glue that holds them together and make sure that they're like achieving strategic purpose. So this ABM manager has buy in from the marketing leader, or the CEO, depending on the company, and they're getting support and guidance from them they would maybe lead the charge on putting the list together, but they're going to do that in conjunction with the sales leader. And then they're just going to kind of make sure that like sales is playing this role,
0: marketing's playing this role, and they're going to bring it all together. So like to put it really, really practically and functionally, your ABM manager is the one that's scheduling all the meetings that is coming with the appropriate frameworks and the processes for how to do the things. And then you're you're getting alignment from your marketing leader that has the overview from a whole marketing org perspective and your sales leader that has a whole overview of the sales org to then come together. As you work through the process, you can then collaboratively actually build the list together. So the AVM manager, in my mind, owns the process, owns the frameworks, owns the approach, and make sure that the stuff gets done. And at the end of the day, they are the ones that are setting the pace and setting the tone for how these things are to be accomplished. But they cannot do it on their own. They have to do it with, within the larger team structure. Got it. Okay.
1: Now, once... So this team's assembled. There's an ABM manager sitting within marketing. They've got you know, buy-in from everybody. And they've agreed on the list. And now it's time to get started. Now you're like, it's fun having you on, right? Cause you take this scrappy approach and like you're leading with like, it's not software, it's not tactics, but now it's time to pick a tactic. So yep. how do we, how do you guide clients through or how do you think about this? Cause there's probably no one size fits all approach. So for listeners that are like, okay, I'm at this stage now, Uh, you know, now what, how do we actually go? How do we identify? Like, I guess there's two questions I have. One is, is there a general are you also identifying in that list of target accounts, the number of people within each company that you're reaching out to, or is that like a later stage? And then now do you move into messaging and like both align on messaging. And then once you have messaging, then you find the best channel, like best tactic to distribute it. Like, how do you actually now like go from having a list of accounts
0: to getting messaging in front of them and picking the right yeah. route? It's a, it's a great question. And I'd actually, I'm gonna give you a quick curveball. Um you know, in, in what we just outlined, like that's of course ideal state, but the reality is like probably not going to happen in most organizations. If we, if we just like have the idea, like if somebody were to listen to this right now at the current state, what we've told them to do is go build a list, but like, there's no foundational work that's already yet been done around the sales and marketing alignment piece, which is why it will fail. So like, I'm going to okay. take a quick step back before we dig into like, how do we build the ABM program and like talk through the activation play, which is actually like way more simple, way more accessible and can be done within 30 to 45 days to actually then foster this conversation and drive immediate results. So, okay. Love it for that. Like if we're taking a step back, let me define an activation play. The idea is like, what is a very clear action that a buyer would take that would then indicate to us some level of intent that we should then tell our sales team to go outbound. That is the core of an activation play. It's very simple and it's intentionally very simple. So, like, as you look at the existing data flow that you have as an organization, there are contacts that live in your database that you already have. And a lot of organizations that I'm speaking to have, like, roughly 10,000 contacts just kind of living in their database. Some, I've got a client that is 2 million. And, like, you have people that exist and you're not doing anything with them. Like, most of the time, we just kind of let them sit on an email newsletter, nurture campaign, whatever, that like has no intentionality, has no segmentation, has no anything. So again, not an MQL list of like, oh, they read like 45 blogs. So they hit the score. We should reach out. Like, which if somebody does read 45 blogs, maybe actually reach out to them. But all that <laughs> to say, like, what is the action that somebody takes that then results in somebody actually transitioning into being a buyer? So prime example, they have viewed every single one of our product pages they've hit the pricing page, they hit the schedule a call page and they didn't book. I can't tell you how many organizations have no process around the outreach to those contacts. So like that's the activation play that anybody can run with. Now, another example that's like very nuanced to a very specific client, is like the B2C arm and B2B arm. On the B2C side of their business, they're an experienced company that had 300 people that were using business emails every single week book one of their experiences, not knowing they had a B2B services arm. So after they booked Mm -hmm. this experience, we then created this automated way of segmenting out all of those emails and then filtering them down by zip codes so that the specific rep in that geographic area could do one-to-one outreach to all the people that booked and have played an experience within the past seven days. They're now running that play on a weekly basis and they're getting an immediate conversion off of that of an additional nine to 15 meetings every single week for their B2B services arm because all they did is they said, hey, it looks like you booked using your company email address. Looks like you had a good time because we have their NPS results. Just want to make you aware we have more services for organizations specifically around team building, internal communication, uh, consulting, and like conflict mitigation training. Would that be of any interest? And like that one email, and granted it's a longer tail sequence, it's about a 45 to 60 day sequence, but that one email, nine to 15 meetings a week. Wow that sponsors, or that that fosters the internal line between marketing and sales. Because now what marketing has done is made it really easy and really simple. We, we have come to sales and said, hey, we noticed this thing. We're actually able to build a segmented list for you that you can activate on every single week or month to then go after these people that we think are, are a pretty good fit. Can we work together on the exact messaging to go after those people? Dell's going to say, sure. Got it. Yeah, And then you've made it an easy lift for sales to go after people that are probably a good fit with very clear messaging. And that's not this super complex, like who's our target account list? Like how do we set? Cause again, when I was talking with a seller and we were building our target account list for the first time, he said, my greatest fear is not the people I'm going to hit, but it's the people I'm going to miss. So yeah. like the nature of ABM causes you to focus, but if marketing hasn't delivered in any form of a, a coordinated program previously, it's difficult for sales to buy in because you have no proof points, you have no like validation of what the ideas you're sharing are. But when you start with these people already exist in our database, they've already been doing stuff with us. This is why we should reach out. This is who to reach out to. Can you just give this a shot for like a couple of weeks? You then build the relationship at a at a low lift, and then can build into an account based program. So just wanted to take that step back for everybody that kind of that's listening in as a starting point for truly how to build that alignment between marketing and sales. No, I love
1: this because, um, yeah, it feels like completely no risk. Like almost feels like if there was skepticism about ABM at your company, you wouldn't even have to call this ABM. You could just be like, hey, we want to try and experiment this quarter where like, marketing is going to do this and we're going to feed you a direct list. We think they're going to mm-hmm. close higher. Like, Can we sync with you on some messaging and like work hand in hand to create this? I like it too, because it does allow you to probably identify early. Like if you're trying to if you're trying to coordinate on messaging these people and there's a lot of conflict, you're like, Ooh, better work this kind of stuff out before
0: we like launch our ABM program, or it's going to be pretty effective for a quarter or two. Yep. And honestly, to that point, what I just outlined, it's, it's not ABM. Like it's for lack of a word, like the contacts that come through they're based on your existing data flow. There's no targeting component, right. But what it has done is it's actually mitigated variables. So like, We're not looking at how do we get third-party data into our system to further right targeting. We're not focused on like, what are all the different channels that we could use to, like we're focused on like, we have this person, we already know they exist. We know a reason to reach out. Now the only variables are like, can sales activate on it? Do we have the right messaging? Do they convert? You've now mitigated a ton of variables in your experiment. But then when you actually go over to building an ABM program, What you've already done is you've nailed the sales and marketing handoff. So you've now mitigated that variable for your ABM program. You've also validated some level of outbound messaging to specific audiences that you could probably start to tweak and repurpose for your new ABM program. So like, again, then the variables actually become new channels, new um, targeting. But like the actual foundation of working with sales was already put in place. Right, right. So this is this is where it fails if this doesn't
1: happen because people go to launch ABM, and sales is like, what about all these accounts that you're like you're not focusing on, or like marketing creates the list and then it's like, well now we don't have a handoff process, or you can't get agreement on like targeting, or like marketing ships messaging and sales like this is stupid messaging like they're not going to resonate with this, so it causes like all these problems, and this is just like a small little test that lets you work out those core things if it goes well or after you refine it then you can kick into this next level yes okay okay so what does it look like from here say say our our hypothetical listener does this yep. they work out the kinks all goes well sales is like hey this is pretty cool working with you guys like let's let's think about what else we could do so
0: now now we're ready now what does that process look like yeah. So there's two things. One, it depends on what your sales activation trigger was. So, like in the context of the client that I just gave, that was so specifically nuanced, like B2C, B2B motion, we probably actually can't build an ABM program around that. Totally makes sense. What we're actually working on with that client is third party intent based outbound that then gets people on the site and then one to one re engagement based on website de anonymized traffic that are all target accounts. It's like we're building out that play in that program. So, what then, what it then turns into is, if you built a trigger that like you can't build a pr- play around or sorry, if you built a trigger that you can't build a ABM program around, identify a new trigger point that then helps with the sales marketing handoff. Cause again, operationally, you've now already worked through that. Now it's a matter of like making it the right trigger. So that's the first thing. Second thing, if you have built it in a way that you can actually build an ABM program around it. So again, let like give an example of, they hit a bunch of product pages, they hit the pricing page, they hit the schedule demo page, they don't book a call. Or like any variation of that. You could build an alien program around that because now your goal becomes how do I get target accounts to hit our product pages? How do I get target accounts to hit our pricing page? And then how do I notify our sales team that those people have already done that and then get them to actually go outbound? So at that point, it is truly a, what's well, a target account list? What are the channels we're going to use to drive people into our trigger And then, how do we optimize post trigger? Because, especially once you've hit the trigger, the other thing to note is like the activation plan that we just walked through, all those examples are single threaded, single contact at an organization, unless you have multiple contacts within the organization hit the trigger. So, like the optimization post conversion is actually pretty simple. Like, how do we build out multi threaded approaches? How do we provide marketing overhead and collateral within the sequences itself? How do we optimize the actual outbound, maybe with personalized landing pages and like, now it becomes a matter of again what are the channels and tactics that we can use to drive people into our trigger and then how do we optimize post trigger and i feel like taking it at that approach really simplifies the abm program from this like massive beast of a thing to like okay i've got my activation play down now my goal in building an account based program is accounts into trigger optimization post trigger and that's what i'm focused on doing for a scrappy abm program
1: and where does it come down to like experimenting with like, sometimes the way I've heard people talk about ABM is like, it, it does. I think the cool thing about it is like, it's completely tailored to any like approach that you want. Right. So I've, I've think I've heard people talk about, like, oh, for this persona, we may just try and get them into this newsletter or this like nurture sequence, or like we want them to consume our content for a while because maybe they're not like the champion who's gonna end up purchasing, but but we want them to like know us and trust us and think that we're smart. And so we're gonna like provide them valuable context over here. And then these people we're gonna hit with outbound messaging, and then these people we're gonna retarget. Like, are there like any I guess it feels like the wild west to me. Like when I think about that, yeah. so like, are there any best practices like to help guide people as they think about like, uh, either like where some some channels you've seen be especially successful for reaching them? Like, is it just outbound messaging for scrappiness, or is it a is it a nurture sequence? Should people getting started with this like test some ads and or retargeting? And generally, is there a framework around like? Hey, for your for the uh, person who's going to be purchasing for like the champion, you want to think about these things and then these yeah. types of engagements for others. Like
0: any any guidance you can give there. Yeah. So for me, especially taking a scrappy approach and having worked primarily in bootstrap businesses, I'm always very price conscious. So the reason I love outbound as a channel is like it you're not going to waste hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads that may not deliver. So for me, I'm a fan of starting with outbound because if we can start to get conversions just purely based off of outbound emails and outbound engagement through social and and calls and we can validate the messaging in those environments, we can then take that same messaging and then actually get greater scale to a larger audience through direct ads. So like that would be the nuance from my perspective is how do we take a validated message and first validate your message and then put it in different channels, like ads, like uh, you could do that through marketing emails. You can do it through podcasting. Like the benefit to account-based marketing when you truly break it down, is like, it's not a channel. It's not a tactic. It's a strategy. So like the the rub there is I don't have any new tactics or channels that people aren't using for other marketing programs. It's now what's the creativity within the account-based strategy that we're using. So like prime example, Tons of people use direct mail. The people who are with the most success in direct mail are not those that spend the most, it's the ones that have the most creativity to tie in the gift or the message that they send through the direct mail piece to the product, to the prospect, or to kind of a themed approach that is gonna be recognized. So those are things from a like advice perspective, validate your messaging in low cost channels and when I say validated messaging, I mean like open rates, click-through rates, meetings booked. If you're able to get like a 5 to 10% conversion rate on your outbound messaging, that's industry averages for like good outbound messaging. If you're able to get like 15 to 20% meeting booked rate, which some people are able to get based on uh, their existing activation plays, like your messaging has been validated, scale that up. And then as far as like different personas, again, this is so nuanced, but the final like thought here is every decision that I've ever, or every buyer that I've ever had to convince also had to convince their CFO. I have only in my career of both being in marketing and sales spoken to a CFO, I think in three actual deal cycles. And I've sold a lot more than three deal cycles. So I'm a fan of what I call buyer enablement. It's something that I think is becoming more and more popular. But like, how do I take an account-based approach to the collateral that I actually send to my champion that's already bought in? Because they are now... It's a weird thought process. My champion is now an internal advocate and a new channel that I can actually then distribute account-based content to. So instead of just sending like a single pitch deck, how do I create personalized content that speaks directly to our finance audience within that account that is then distributed through my champion? And like, again, thinking about it in that context as a marketer, my favorite channel for marketing is actually the sales channel. And I view my sales team and my salespeople as a channel for marketing messaging, you can do the same thing of like your champion, your internal buyer, your internal advocate is a channel to distribute information and is going to be your highest converting channel. So how are you actually using that channel to distribute the right information? Okay, okay. Man, this is like uh, this is like drinking
1: from a fire hose talking to you about this today. This has been awesome. I want to be sensitive because we're coming up at the top of the hour um, and we have to get to our like rapid round questions that I ask every guest. So um, I guess... My last question would be listening to all of this. You know, one, one thing we didn't cover was like, it seems like it maybe falls under the like why ABM fails thing, but like this all seems like really prone to failure. If your attention is not like, if there's not attention focused on it, like I can imagine, I just know from being in marketing a while, like, oh, we're running ABM and we're running this and we've got this program. We're juggling a lot of things. Like, is there a point to where, you believe that like companies shouldn't try this if they're not willing to assign marketing to like X percent of their attention focused of like, because I can imagine if they're not thinking about this or eating, sleeping, breathing it for a while, they're not going to think like, oh, we could be equipping sales with with these things or we could be, what about, what if we started this other channel to do this, to assist what they're doing? Like, it feels like if they just went through the motions and they're juggling three, four, five different projects, depending on the size of the team, um you're not going to get quite like, what you're describing feels like really all encompassing. So I guess I'm wondering, like, do you have any guidance for companies around that? Like, Hey, if you're going to do this really devote, like, is this manager the one who's fully devoted? They're not doing anything else to it. Or how, how do you think about that?
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. And I want to be very clear. Like I'll give you the prime example again of like creating buyer enablement that's persona specific to different departments. Like, yeah, that is super involved. Like it, that's awesome. Like, I feel like that is like the sprint level of ABM. I don't think people should start there, but like, that's how nuanced and specific you can get. I honestly feel that and believe that most organizations, it, they could probably live at the activation play stage for quite some time. Like if you okay. built out four or five really solid activation plays, at which point, like, again, and I'll give you a couple real quick of like close lost, Automating that re engagement, missed meetings, automating that re engagement, like lost customer re engagement and running like an automated ongoing win back campaign. Huge opportunity. Again, pricing page, like somebody hits the pricing page and they schedule a call page. And like those are all people that are brand aware that were at the five yard line and you didn't engage them. Like you could build a business off of those four plays in a pretty significant way. I then view if you want to increase your conversion rates and actually go very intentional and specific of the kinds of customers you want, that's when you build the ABM program, at which point the appropriate level of time and investment should already be bought in on because we're now taking our activation plays and evolving those. So I feel activation plays could actually be set up in such a way that it's like kind of set it and forget it. But if you want to truly involve this, then yes, like you've got to have somebody that truly owns ABM. And I don't necessarily even know that depending on the scale and size of your organization, it has to be like a dedicated ABM manager, but it it's going to probably be the most successful when it's like a core part of someone's job, as opposed to what typically happens in which somebody says, let's do ABM and it's like tacked on as like a bullet point for someone's job description. Yeah. That's where it's going to fail versus the, all right, you own sales enablement collateral and ABM. Those are very complimentary job. They're jobs in and of themselves, but like they're very complementary in their nature. So I think that that could be successful. Um, ideal state is you do have somebody that truly dedicated is owned to ABM or owns ABM, but like, that's also a very significant investment for a lot of organizations. So again, that's why if you start with the activation place, get those things running, find success there. And then the doubling down on your activation place would be an account-based program. Yeah. 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 I-
1: I feel like this has been really helpful. You've given, I think this, hopefully for listeners, this conversation has given a lot of like really practical takeaways of ways they can start, even if they're not going to do ABM, just start to like work together with sales partner on some shared goals, and then begin to get a better handle on how they can view sales as a distribution channel. So this is, this has been really good. Um, All right. We have these, this like lightning round of three questions, three short answers, however you want to answer Um, the first question would be, and you can answer this, I guess it'd be fun to hear you answer like, normally this is, you know, for not, you know, we're not having like consultants on the show or whatever. So for you, maybe answer it like what you'd recommend to clients, uh, in, in context of ABM three metrics to track closely and how often to track them.
0: So I'm going to give you two answers first from a activation play. It's like the three metrics that you should be looking at, uh, Open rates, click through rates, meetings booked. Like your activation place, those are your three metrics. They're very simple. For an account based perspective, account level engagement, pipeline generated, pipeline or uh, revenue sourced. Like those are your three metrics to look at. Okay. Finish this sentence. Data is. Oh, I knew this was coming. <laughs> Data is helpful, but often misleading.
1: Ooh, can you unpack that? I like Uh, it. I just want you to unpack it.
0: Yeah. So like we only have the data based on what we've currently closed and worked with, but like there are so many organizations that like have this thought process of what if we went after a different vertical and it would actually probably be a really great move, but because you've never gone into that vertical, you don't have the data to support the claim And as a result, you may not actually go after what could be a completely massively game-changing opportunity for your business. So Mm -hmm. should you make most decisions? And I saw this post on LinkedIn the other day and I was like, that's perfect. You should not be data-driven. You should be data-informed. Like data should help you in your thought process. But like a lot of marketers are incredibly successful because they work on great hunches and they just have a good gut for it. And you can't replicate that. So like trust your gut sometimes. Dave Gerhardt is a prime example of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of blending of like blending those three. We've written and talked a lot about that, like be data informed and apply data to your gut and experience like versus running just off of those two. Um, okay. Uh, your number one tip for B2B leaders trying to drive more predictable performance.
0: Start with an activation play. Like I, (laughs) um, again, it is the lowest hanging fruit that so many organizations have. And like, I think through how most people think about like a, for example, like a revive the dead close loss campaign. It's something they think about like once a quarter or every six months of like, Oh crap, our pipeline is down. We should do that. And it's like, why do you not put in place the processes to actually automate the retargeting of those camp or of those accounts, as opposed to saying on a quarterly basis, can we just like scrape through our closed loss and see who we could try to re-engage, like building out those in a repeatable manner that again, automates the actual activation of those uh, outbound sequences is the best way to build predictable pipeline. Awesome.
1: Mason, thank you so much for being willing to come on. Um, If people want to hire you and talk to you more and learn from you, I mean, obviously we'll link to your, we'll link to your LinkedIn. You share a lot on there. You you share a lot of good insights. So if you're, you know, on your podcast app, look at the show notes, go follow Mason on LinkedIn. Um, And where can they go if they want to book a call and potentially hire you?
0: Yeah. So there's, Really three places I'm going to point people towards. One, you just mentioned it, LinkedIn. It's where I'm I'm there every single day. So like, if you want to book a call with me, you can always just shoot me a message. Uh, two, if you want to get direct access to my calendar, go to scrappyabm.com. There's a button at the top right-hand corner that says Let Chat that takes you directly to a HubSpot uh, meeting calendar booking uh, widget. So you can actually directly grab time on my calendar. Uh, there's no SDR. You'll get directly me. Uh, And the last place is Scrappy ABM as a podcast. Uh, There's 20 episodes currently live, but uh, I will just go ahead and say that I've got 15 interviews already in the can that are starting to get released. So we're going to be talking through a lot of very practical playbooks like we did today, but getting even more detailed and even more nuanced. Awesome. Awesome.
1: We'll link to those in the show notes. Go check out Mason. And thanks very much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out ScrappyABM.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact Scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Mason Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.